welcome back to It Was Murder, the number one heart-to-heart adjacent podcast <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I'm your diehard romantic, Eric nice. Blood. And I'm your devoted lover, Ellen Ito. And I'm the virgin voyager, Joe Garber. <laughs> it's a surprise <laughs> it's, every uh, time. Virgin <laughs> yeah, it just always sits kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, this week on Chain Reaction, <clears throat> we followed Terrence Stamp from the Hunger <laughs> series. <laughs> Yes. Um, to Legal Eagles, uh, <laughs> Ivan Reitman's 1986 film. Was it 85 or 86? It's 86, right? 86. Mm-hmm. Legal 86. Eagles, which is a movie that <laughs> Ellen and I have extremely fond associations with. Yes. And Joe had never heard of it. <laughs> Don't know how I went so far in life without hearing of a movie called Legal Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. The only thing better than Legal Eagles is Three's Company Bar, The Regal Beagle. The Regal Beagle. <laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> oh. The Regal Beagle. The Regal Beagle. Well, let's see if we can tell you what happened in this uh, movie in a minute or less segment we call the Minute Max, which mm. begins with me. <laughs> and your room <laughs> speaker. The what air is doing? electric. Yeah. He's got a multimedia <laughs> presentation. Eagle Eagles. <laughs> Regal Beagle. Legal Eagles. Daryl Hannah's father died when she was six in a fire. Five, five, fire. He said he signed a painting for her that was stolen. She tried to steal it back. No, don't steal. She ended up with an attorney who can't drive. Car crash. Red Ford. Robert Redford is the attorney she helped has helped her. They are the legal eagles. Eagles. Legal eagles. Legal eagles. <laughs> oh my legal, god. Legal eagles. Legal eagles. They're going to court for a lot of things. Terrence Stamp owns an art gallery and they suspect he has the painting. But then there's Brian Dennehy. Brian. 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 <laughs> and he is a cop called Kavanaugh. I can oh, you're done. <laughs> you're done. Wow. What you what the listeners couldn't see is the, the little architectural papers that Eric lit on fire. There, I, that, I've just yeah. burned so much stuff down. Oh heart's desire, heart's desire, never, never play with fire. Heart's desire. Wow. Piece of cake. Piece I, of cake. Now I fully understand what happened in the movie. Wow, I'm glad I don't have to do my Minute Max right after yeah. that. <laughs> Me too. I'm also glad of that. <laughs> do we have like a Travis or a Corey can, <laughs> no, who could do, do one? Oh, You're welcome to use my back. Fuck. <laughs> is it my turn? It is your turn. Okay. I. Okay. This is a movie that I watched all the way through, and then I had to look up the synopsis of what happened, and I still don't know what happened. So <laughs> you will bear with this me. This bodes well. Yes. I'll try to understand what happened. Okay, legal eagles. There is a little girl's birthday party happening at a fancy New York loft where there are a lot of paintings, and she gets gifted a painting by her dad. And then when she goes to bed, all happy with her new painting, and then there's a fire, and there's like some men who are like really weird, and they're trying to help her dad get out of the fire, <laughs> but a giant 
uh, beam falls on him and kills him and crushes him to death. Uh, cut to like 14,000 years later and there's two lawyers and they they both have insomnia. Uh, and then she has a client who is the little girl who tried to steal her painting back from the guy. Uh, and it turns out that the men who were helping her dad were actually defrauding him, I think, and like trying to get his paintings and killed him in the fire. And so she's like, he signed this painting to me, but the painting wasn't signed to her. And then they, they get exploded in a warehouse. And then it turns out that the painting was hidden in a giant ugly sculpture. And then the he lights the, the fake cop lights the gallery on fire. The end. God, I'm so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know what this movie is about, okay? <laughs> Stop asking. <laughs> Ellen, what are you going to do? <laughs> Can you just quit the podcast? Yeah. Um... Can you just tell us what this movie is actually about? Oh, Joe, you know I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> we can't even tell. No, listeners, what we can't we even watched. talk tonight. We, we can't even speak, which is probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here goes less than nothing. Illegal eagles. <clears throat> okay, so it's 1968 in Chelsea, and there's kind of like a sort of a factory-ish vibe. It's a birthday party, and it's the birthday party for the daughter of an art of a painter named Sebastian Dearden. Chelsea Dearden. There's a huge fire the night of the birthday party, and she's like, Where's my painting? Because her dad gave her a painting for her birthday. Then she grows up and, yay, is a performance artist, which is an amazing <laughs> uh, thing to become. But, um, oh God, she's arrested for stealing what she thinks is her birthday painting from the gallerist, who is one of the hippies that was in the fire um, at her dad's place then brian dennehy pretends to be um someone that he isn't he's actually part of the conspiracy to rob sebastian dearden of his painting so there's just a shit ton of insurance fraud and robert redford is supposed to be klutzy which is not super believable yeah, and yeah. um deborah winger groans when she looks into her freezer <laughs> 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 Which is one of my favorite scenes in any movie yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's so much to talk about. Truly. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, this. I'm ready. <laughs> Can you explain without your yes. minute time, time limit? <laughs> yes. Okay. I understand this little girl. She, with her dad, who's a famous painter or becoming a famous painter, and his paintings are worth a lot of money, and she gets one, and then it gets taken from her by these. There's like three conspirators, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Terrence Stamp, Brian Dennehy, Robert, Brian Dennehy, and, and the other one, and the other guy, and the other guy we who gets we, who murdered. gets found dead in bed. I thought that was Terrence Stamp, Robert, Robert Forster, I Robert don't know Forster. The name. Okay, right. So okay. the character names, it's it's supposedly Kavanaugh, which is not the guy's real name. No, Kavanaugh uh, is Brian and Dennehy. Forrester. Oh, yes. okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So Victor Taft is Terrence Stamp. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So there's three guys. Yes. And there's yes, these correct. the two lawyers who are our main characters are are she has a client that she believes in, this the young girl who's tried to steal the painting back. Yes. Because mm -hmm. she knew it was hers because it was gifted to her on her eighth birthday or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
uh, Terrence Stamp leads them into a warehouse and sets a bomb <laughs> to destroy <laughs> the evidence. He's a he's he's the gallery he a gallerist that mm-hmm. runs what's the gallery Taft, Taft, Taft Art Gallery Taft, Taft gallery. gallery. Okay, right. Okay. There's there's a question there somewhere. I know. Joe's Joe's shaking violently. I'm trying to piece this together in a coherent. What's going on? He's having a scanners moment. (laughs) I really had. I struggled so hard to understand what was happening in this movie, and I don't understand why. Because it's pretty simple. Yeah. Kavanaugh, Brian Dennehy, is this cop who's coming in and telling Robert Redford. I have information that this these paintings are do exist. Well, he has information that uh, Dearden was murdered, right? And he, mm-hmm. but he murdered him. Yes. So yes. why why did he interfere at all? Because, I know why. Okay. Oh well, Eric. Go, no, no, no. Why. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead, Eric. <laughs> so Brian Dennehy's character, he's actually the third co-conspirator, like mm-hmm. Joe was saying. Mm-hmm. So. Robert Forrester and Victor Taft mm-hmm. are both very wealthy, successful, yet sinister people um, that we experience during the film. But the third person, we're told by Brian Dennehy that he went to jail and then he died of cancer. Right. And so that person's name is Brock. So what we then learn, so the character of Kavanaugh, the fake detective, mm-hmm. tells Deborah Winger, attorney... Uh, defense attorney Laura Kelly mm-hmm. that um, he has information that he's investigating the murder of Sebastian Dearden and she's like oh my god okay well and so he gives her all these documents mm-hmm. so he gives her this huge file um, that's a confidential insurance document mm-hmm. that is basically all of the object information for the supposedly destroyed Dearden paintings mm-hmm. They discover that the paintings are actually actually were not destroyed. So what they uncover is not just murder; they uncover a massive scale of insurance fraud because the paintings um, would now be worth. I don't know if they actually say what they would be worth, but the settlement that they got from the fire, the set, the amount that they were paid in 1968 mm-hmm. for the Dearden paintings was 2.5 million dollars mm-hmm. in 1968. Okay, which is a lot of money now. Yes. Okay, so he that <laughs> yes. that detective he's not a cop. Yes. He's not a cop he's, at all. He's a criminal who he's has who has been able to convince people that he is dead. So right. he cannot talk to the other two co-conspirators. He wants to oh, okay. he wants the painting for himself. So he is using these attorneys who are latched on to right. Chelsea, Chelsea to get information. Right. To find out where the paintings are. Okay. Okay. That's mm-hmm. that's entirely that all he's sense. doing. But the DA, he uh. says the DA shut him down to to investigate this further, and then the DA is also one of the co-conspirators. Is what? No, no, no. Oh. The DA is just uh, Robert Redford's boss. Doesn't Chelsea Played at one Stephen point Hill. stand up yeah. in the courtroom and like and say, say murderer, murderer? She the, says that to yeah. the second co-conspirator, who is that? Wasn't the that's, DA? No, that's it's Robert Forster. Robert Forster. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. So, That's the one she had the relationship with. Yes. No, she had Oh wait, no, she had a relationship with Victor, with Victor Taft. Jesus. But okay, Christ. so <laughs> it's, so it's, it's so not it's confusing. just it's just 
insurance fraud and murder mm-hmm. are the crimes that right. are committed. Okay. And the okay. third co-conspirator was in jail, right? And so yeah. he's come back to take revenge on those two because he knows what they did. Right. So he knows that the paintings are somewhere. And so he's using Laura Kelly, the attorney's investigative uh, abilities mm-hmm. to get answers and access. Okay. So okay. he's basically just tricking her into helping him with his plot to get what he feels he is due because right. they screwed him out of the $2.5 million, his share of the $2.5 million. Okay. So I, he's I mad I'm, and kind of broke. I'm like 90% understanding this movie. Okay. And <laughs> okay. The, the district attorney, Robert Redford's character, Tom Logan, mm-hmm. is an assistant DA. Right. And at the start of the movie, his boss, Stephen Hill, who is the district attorney, is trying to to um, get him to run for district attorney. Right. Yes. He was like in line to be the next DA until yeah. this case came along and ruined him, basically, when he <laughs> mm-hmm. was found in bed with Chelsea and was... Sex scandal. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Sex scandal, for sure. Which... <laughs> Sex scandal Which, yeah, supreme. that would... One, one thing that holds over. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Might... might might do the trick okay yet it doesn't do anything there's no conflict of interest declared there's no mistrial there's no disbarment conversations <laughs> yeah yeah i guess yeah. he's not he officially fired. her attorney he's assisting he's deborah winger yeah right yeah. Okay. still yeah unethical but yeah apparently not not that big of a deal all right. Okay. The other big thing that i'm confused about if okay. we may yes just let's cover this at the beginning of the episode the insomnia montage mm-hmm. of these two mm-hmm. attorneys who both have insomnia. What is the main, what's the thesis statement of what that was trying to convey to the audience? Uh, I feel like it was trying to present them as relatable human okay. beings to the audience. Uh-huh. And it's also giving them a shred of compatibility. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just it's like a to seed show that they of have... compatibility. Right. They have something in common, even though it seems like they have nothing in common because she is a, a defense attorney. He works as a prosecutor right. for the city of mm-hmm. New York. Um, okay. But also okay. the character of Deborah Winger is kind of confusing because she's clearly like super intelligent. Mm-hmm. But her reputation is that in my mind, she has very creative defense strategies. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they all um, deride her by saying that she... But because she p- tried to put a dog on the witness stand or whatever. <laughs> but <clears throat> whereas Tom Logan is assistant district attorney superstar. Right, Golden right. Boy. Yeah, okay. So they're on the opposite end of the spectrum, but they have the same issue of with insomnia and she eats a she overeats, of food. He dances. And he dances and mm-hmm. rollerblades and whatever. She dips and, a strawberry popsicle into a glass oh of wine. Oh my God, which <laughs> probably is incredible. I always get a little nauseous when she eats the hot dog. Yeah, yeah the, the where she when she like runs her finger down it and yeah. shakes off like the hot dog juice. Yeah, um, that really grosses me out. <laughs> my yeah. favorite part of that scene is what I already mentioned, <laughs> yes. which is Deborah Winger is in her studio apartment, um, in her pajamas in the middle of the night, and <clears throat> she gets up and she opens the refrigerator door and the freezer door. And then she kind of like <laughs> throws herself against the side, like the frame of the refrigerator or freezer door and just goes, 
And it is so weird. That is very relatable, though. And then it's so good. And then um, at another point in Deborah Winger's character's insomnia um, montage, she's ironing her blouse for the next day. (laughs) But what both characters have is that they both have their TVs on and singing in the rain is on because it's the middle of the night. And while she's ironing really aggressively, Uh um, she goes, (laughs) (laughs) and it is so fucking amazing and weird and brilliant. Yes. It's, that's so that's of course the first scene that's really memorable uh in the movie for me mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. that's like i always think of that there's like there's three scenes in this movie that i actually think of all of the time <laughs> uh, i bet you're gonna say we're gonna say the same yeah so <laughs> one of them one of them is the the insomnia eating yes binge, yes which i yeah. love of course it's so weird it's great it's, it's just so weird and amazing there's a lost uh a lost thing in in culture of people watching the same thing at the same time because it's on mm-hmm. uh, it's on oh, broadcast it's television mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a that's like a sweet thing it is a it's like a, a literal and and metaphorical depiction of connection Mm-hmm. Uh, then it's the performance art piece that Chelsea oh, yeah. Dearden performs oh, in her loft, oh, which when I saw that on cable as a kid, I I think it just like gay appeared in my DNA. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, right. It's like the most fireworks, amazing thing ever. Just like this Laurie Anderson esque performance art piece <laughs> with I... inexplicable like like it makes no sense. Doesn't make any sense what she does. <laughs> no, like or or that she does it at that moment in as time. a rehearsal as a rehearsal she burns so much shit in her house <laughs> that's amazing it's flash paper yeah right? i was gonna um, yeah ellen i was like is this what it's like to do a studio visit <laughs> like is this what happens i wish yes call me um i i mean i told you guys that i saw this movie more than once in the theater and oh, yeah. of course like even back then like it's obvious why i would go see this movie over and over again mm-hmm. and you know watch it throughout time ever since you know when mm-hmm. i when now that it's easy an easy access thing i definitely dip my toe in but before we started recording i told eric it's obviously like just to watch those few scenes so mm-hmm. this is the first time that i've watched the entire film in ages oh but i love to just i just love to watch those particular scenes and the performance art scene is just one of my absolute favorite things but the story behind that is that that piece was actually made by three people collaborating um oh. one of whom was and is still a performance artist who's someone named Lynn Hickson, who's now an instructor who teaches performance at the uh, School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, but uh, I think in the, it might have been in the 90s, ran a performance group called Goat Island. So uh. Lynn Hickson, performance artist, and, and Daryl Hannah, mm-hmm. actress Daryl Hannah, and Arnold Glimcher. Do you guys know who that is? Uh-uh. So 
Arnold Glimsher played a huge role that connects him to all the art in this film. He is the founder of the Pace Gallery, and he's still oh. working at, uh, to this day as a gallerist. And he has a new space that opened like last year wow. called 125 Newberry. Jesus. And 125 Newberry is a reference to the original address of the Pace, the Pace Gallery in when it was in Boston. So is Terrence Stamp playing him, basically? No, but what makes his participation important, so he then, he's gone on to um, be involved in movie making Mm -hmm. in all kinds of different different roles, Mambo -hmm. Mambo Kings. Mm -hmm. Um, They consulted him, and that's what makes this thing so, for me, brilliant and such uh, a great and and really unnecessary, um, (laughs) unnecessarily authentic glimpse into the art world at that blue chip level and at that like 1986 moment because the the film is packed yeah. with artwork and yes. the artwork except for in the fire scenes is the real artwork mm-hmm. oh so yeah. you know it which is incredible that's amazing um, but so many details in it ring you know over the past however you know 25 years of my life 30 years of my life like it's just the authenticity of it really like strikes a chord with me now, uh. now that I understand. And so even when Brian Dennehy finally, when they're all fighting over the actual Sebastian Dearden painting, the container that it's in is something that you would tra- potentially like transport if you're hand carrying an un- unstretched canvas, like just those little details like that. The invoices, when they're sorting the invoices, Deborah Winger and Robert Redford are trying to like put together the pieces when they're trying to understand the insurance fraud and how they did it. Mm-hmm. And they have all the invoices and she's sorting them by crate size. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of <clears throat> fascinating to me. But I feel like this movie is worth it just to see the artwork like woven into the story in a really seamless way because the work is iconic work i mean it's just absolutely bananas you know from you know very of the moment things like julian schnabel's but then there's things like you know john chamberlain there's lichtensteins there's warhols there's rocco's Mm -hmm. there's ellsworth kelly like everybody who's doing that there but then there's like amazing uh artists that like deborah butterfield yeah, you know, there's Louis Nevelson. Like it's 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 really amazing, and so he did a great job, I think. And then the other crazy thing um, is that one of the key art based plot devices in the film involves this really hideous sculpture that I think Joe yes. And so there's this really ugly sculpture. Yeah, it's like obviously and does not fit in. There's the study for it is in. Uh, Victor Taft's office when they mm-hmm. first go, and Robert Redford horrifically like leans on it. Yes, <laughs> and yeah. Terrence Stapp gets to be such an art world person, be like, uh, "Mr. Hogan, you're leaning, you're, you're leaning." leaning. It, yeah, <laughs> yes. but so outside of Victor Taft's apartment, there is the actual life size version of this sculpture yeah. right outside of it, and so that which was like clearly made for the movie. That sculpture, yeah. it, it like was like obvious, and it had a hinge on it hinge. when they got the paintings out of yeah. it. Yeah, weird. But Arnold Glimsher made that sculpture. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh. Um. Okay. So the artist, of course, is a fake artist. Yes. Yeah. Right. 
So when they go, they go to someone's apartment. I can't remember what character. After they go to the Taft Gallery, they mm-hmm. go to this apartment of an art mm-hmm. collector, and you're supposed to think he's kind of an asshole in the movie. But I was just mm-hmm. like, this apartment is fucking incredible. This art <laughs> is amazing, and the shots of them just backed by the most amazing yeah. art right. is so cool. Mm-hmm. So that. That is clearly well done in this movie. The 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 depths that they go to capture the art world of New York and or just the art world in general is pretty amazing. Well, that particular like nineteen eighty as yes. yeah, that that blue chip moment. Yeah, yeah. like when it's Chelsea really well done. Just really like entering into that like big big bucks moment. Yes, I love. Yeah, that. it's it's cool. But Joe, I. I, I I'm sorry to tell you this, but because you said we're supposed to think this person is an asshole, um, oh. and you seem to think like that an asshole would not have that art. But <laughs> I have to correct you oh. on that: that uh, a million percent an asshole would. Um, <laughs> really, I guarantee you have that kind of artwork. I I'm mean... not saying it's like the serial killers and truck drivers thing. I'm not saying that every asshole has. Uh, right. amazing so-called blue chip artworks right but um there are people who have those artworks that are assholes oh for yes. sure yeah <laughs> but just like i yeah. didn't want i wanted to i didn't want to, to like him i wanted to like it's him. a cool apartment it's a really yeah. cool apartment <laughs> jesus i and was like you can like him he did yeah Jim. and the shots are amazing of that apartment. The movie was shot by oh, yeah. Laszlo fucking Kovacs. Like Laszlo yeah, Kovacs is, is one of the oh, really? like the <clears throat> greatest yeah. cinematographers wow. yeah. of the 70s and 80s. Wow. Uh yeah. That movie is shot like a fucking Rembrandt. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's true. All the framing is mm-hmm. is so spectacular. The courtroom yeah. scene where she's like backed by all the the uh boom boxes like it's always a thing that i remember as well <laughs> right? oh and, yeah like and reads so much like an art reference yes of course yeah right? totally. definitely yeah and she looks incredible oh, deborah I, winger i really thought deborah winger mm-hmm. was the mm-hmm. therapist from the sopranos oh yeah they are they are so <laughs> similar those two people those actors that who's the therapist and in... i've never L- seen the sopranos lorraine brocco L- lorraine oh. brocco that's the actor's she's name. She's great. Yeah. 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 She's great. They, I was like, that's fully, I was like, well, how do I know this person? And it, I was, oh, it's the <laughs> Sopranos <laughs> therapist. <laughs> okay. So Daryl Hannah, Chelsea, I, I was mad at her at the end of this movie. Like I, as a character, I was like, you seem, you're, it's like, you're trying to be suspicious. It's like, you're trying <laughs> to be, she was at, two crime scenes where people got murdered and then even her lawyer deborah winger was like you didn't tell me this when she would tell things to robert redford (laughs) that she could have just told to deborah winger it was like can i take this one (laughs) yeah yeah please okay so she's 25 in this holy shit are you serious she's 25 years old i am of the belief that if she had played this if Daryl Hannah had played this character a little more 25 like oh irreverent the character is 25 yes well the, the yes yeah. the character is 25 so and so is Daryl Hannah actually I, I like if she played it a little more like bitchy young 
rich girl or like, you know, that we've seen it a million times now. Yeah. We've yeah. seen that character played out a ton. Right. Um, and all of the elements are there. She's like what yeah. she's like kind of promiscuous. She's free with her sexuality. She's she's very easy good with expressing herself mm-hmm. in an artistic realm. Mm-hmm. She knows all the people. She's a survivor. She knows how to stay the fuck alive and stay fed. Yeah. Um, she obviously <laughs> knows where to get her hair done. Mm-hmm. Like the it, maybe it's just her abilities at the time because <laughs> it was just like what splash and this that I remember. Mm. Um, really? Yeah. Like she was a model. She was not necessarily like the finest of actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, was this before or after Roxanne? I think it's before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just think it's I I partly blame the performance for that. Even though I think Daryl Hannah is amazing, I love her. I love her in this movie. <laughs> I just always kind of put it together that oh, she's twenty five, so yeah, she's gonna lie. She's gonna be impetuous. She's gonna go yeah, you know, with a gun. She's she's got hormones, you know, whatever. Right. She's probably drunk. I I wish that they would have made her drink. <laughs> well, or cocaine me, or something. Yeah, I don't struggle with with um the behavior or the actions of the character. I guess for me. It makes sense. It's like her life is fucking tragic. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, she basically watches her father. She watches her father get pinned uh, underneath a burning, a flaming beam in their home. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, she gets nothing of her father's. They say his estate is bankrupt. Yeah. Um, and so she's just having to scrap. And I mean, what she has to to use is her youth, like her, the cachet of being Chelsea Dearden, yep. mm-hmm. who has this tragic story mm-hmm. and she is stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so you just got to get by, like Eric's saying, you just got to get by on, on what you have. And she has a lot. Yeah. And I think she just uses it because she's obsessed and maybe rightfully so with getting her painting and having people understand that she knows that something is not right. Right. That they killed her father and they stole her painting. And why won't anyone believe her? And I feel like there's they bring up affairs um, because she creepily was <laughs> involved in an affair with Victor Taft, her yeah. father's business partner at the right. time of his death. And right. the person who uh, <clears throat> murdered and uh, stole from her father and Brian Dennehy, but mm. yeah, but she's with Victor Taft and they talk about that relationship and it's like, you know, she just acknowledges basically like she needed something and he kept her, mm-hmm. which I'm sure was partly out of his guilt, but probably also out of like dirty old manness or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. So I think there's a complexity there that kind of just makes sense to me. I've, no, I've mm. not ever questioned it. Yeah, it's I, al- it's always made sense to me too. Really, I I just immediately was like, she's guilty, <laughs> and if she's not guilty, then she should be <laughs> like, she well, should it's go mis- to jail for it's a, a while. Good, that's that's one of the elements that makes it like a mystery is that it's a misdirect. Yeah, um, right. But the the I think they just misdirected a little too hard. Yeah. with her, like <laughs> where where she's not. They take many swings at it. It's true. Yeah, where she's <clears throat> just not being forthright in a way in in a way that she just could have been easily forthright with her first lawyer. Yeah, and she's using her sexuality. Maybe she felt unsafe with 
Deborah Winger and was like, I have to use my sexuality on Robert Redford to like make him see my point and make him, you know, manipulate. Or maybe into... people just want to fuck Robert Redford yeah. in the year uh, of our Lord, 1986. I don't blame them. Quite possibly beautiful people <laughs> want to fuck each other. Yeah. Yeah. That also could be true. People who are uncomfortably attractive. There was just a moment like during the court case where they bring her back into the room where they can just talk to her and she, what does she say? There's something that she is like, oh yeah, by the way, like well, I was like <laughs> there during this murder or whatever and it's just like are you fucking serious like that there were just too many of those moments where i was just like are you you didn't tell anybody that before that seems like a really major piece of information that you could have told your lawyer see again it's like i it didn't bother me (laughs) then because it just fit the character yeah but if i think that since then we've seen this type of character portrayed in different ways in a much more like yeah uh, let's say kind of cartoonish sensible like aggressively young you know like Mm -hmm. like a character from girls like this would be jessa right right this would actually be jessa yeah totally (laughs) and when i recast i've never seen girls oh well that's our our podcast is about girls now we're doing a girls podcast (laughs) um it's about girls and the sopranos and it the ill-timed rehearsal of her art show also <laughs> it was amazing like every gay gene in my body yes. like you was like this is fucking incredible <laughs> i love every minute of this but it's just like you said like ill-timed sort of or like what the fuck is going on like she breaks into oh i didn't say it was ill-timed okay it was just like <laughs> he's just coming over to make sure she's safe, basically, like dropping her off. And she's like, do you want to mm-hmm. see like what I've been working on? And then before he even says yes, in my mind, it's just like she's got the lights on yeah. and she's lighting shit on fire. She has these metal frames with <laughs> paper that she's fully lighting on fire with flames that are trickling out and that she's controlling. Which is the greatest. Which is yeah. just like <laughs> like it's like a lot of money and resources to do this show one time. And she's just fully doing it. And it's like fire, 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 dear. What what does she say? Like sweet piece (laughs) of cake, piece of cake, piece of cake, cake. which is just about her birthday where she saw her dad die. Brush fire, brush fire, brush fire, (laughs) which like, I, I, love that scene so much it's so weird and david lynch style just (laughs) fucking weird but like the the timing of that i feel like we had just seen the insomnia (laughs) montage and so i was just like my i was like being just like pinballed against yes these things that were like the fuck is going on i I am going to i'm gonna uh, agree with you that you were being ping-ponged quite heavily Watch, <laughs> watching the movie this time, yeah. I haven't seen it in, I'm going to say, 25 years. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Watching it this time, I can't believe that I sat through this movie so many times as a kid. Like, I watched it so many times and loved it every fucking time. And I still love it. Mm-hmm. But 
that first hour is disjointed. It has pacing issues. Yeah. It doesn't know what it is. It's yes. it's either being a fucking Thank slapstick you. comedy or Thank a hard world mystery. Yes. It's it's Ivan Reitman, so it's got this particular kind of flair that we that I think me and Ellen are like kind of conditioned genetically to love. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Um but yeah, no, it's a I and I say this I say this with the best meaning. It's a bad movie. Like it's yeah. not very well done. I wanna know everything about the making of this movie. I want to know yeah. every detail. Yeah. I want to know every argument. I want to know every fight that was won and lost. I want to know who, like, I know that Deborah Winger fired her agent after this movie was released. Really? Yeah. She fucking hated oh, this. Oh, I didn't know that. So, and then did but you she notice? she's so good in she's this. To- she's, a, well, she's a movie star. Yeah. She was like She's amazing. She's totally amazing. Did did this not was this well received when it first came out? No. Middling reviews. Yeah. Middling to to poor reviews. And then it wasn't a success. Because I've never heard of it. Yeah. It's like in it lingers in that Turk one eighty two place, right? Yes. Mm. Exactly. Oh my god. Which Mm -hmm. was an inescapable movie if you had cable in the (laughs) eighties. Turk Turk one eighty two, which maybe we'll watch at some point. Never heard of it, so we should watch it. Um, (laughs) We should Virgin Voyage into that. (laughs) Of course, I just love Timothy Hutton. So Turk one eighty two for me, like anyways, that's not what we're talking about. No. The I I mean I I agree with Eric, but I feel like it's also something where, you know, it's just that thing where loving a movie is not an indication of the quality of the movie. Um, Right. And so Legal Eagles for me is is just one of those things like I unabashedly love this movie and it is because of a handful of moments that just really resonate with me. But yeah, it is um, in terms of it being like a mystery slash rom-com thing it is so weird and one of the weirdest moments for me which is actually also something that i will revisit when i watch it but it's not technically a scene but it's something that i freaking love about this movie is that at the end of the film um during the credits yes there are all these weird scenes it's like it's like a belated disjointed montage which suddenly makes sense based on your very accurate description eric of the first (laughs) half of this movie but they're all just these scenes that we didn't absolutely didn't see in the film so it's these aren't callbacks it is um just a montage of rom-communists from those two characters where they're just like are they they're just kind of in their future um as uh partners in a law firm and as a couple but it is like there's so many weird scenes that it just makes me wonder like did they actually shoot like a 15 hour long version like is there a director's cut of legal eagles or did somebody actually say you know what those credits need a bunch of uh, montages about you guys in love because there's so many different ones that it couldn't possibly have been that they were going to put it somewhere at the end. Like no, it just, uh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Those are full scenes. They are full comedic romance scenes between Deborah Winger and Robert Redford. And here's what I think happened: I think Ivan Reitman <laughs> was making a romantic comedy mystery movie, right? And the studio. Yeah. Or a test screening or whatever. I don't think he had, he would have had to do a test screening. Well, maybe he would. Um, uh, really? Just thinking In after 1986, Ghost... they would make Ivan Reitman do that? That's what I'm, I know. Like, it doesn't seem likely. But this movie feels to me like he was making a comedy. And the mm-hmm. studio was like, no, 
this these comedies aren't doing what they used to do. Right. We want, the, we want you to really go harder on the mystery. Plus, you know what's really popular right now? Courtroom dramas. Right. Can you please add more courtroom <laughs> stuff? Which uh. all of the courtroom stuff was so thrown together. Like oh I, I just feel like it was God. never even meant to be in the movie. No, yeah. Aside from the, the introduction. The establishing one, yeah. Correct. So mm-hmm. I think all of those scenes during the credits were in the movie and oh it God. was developing the romantic relationship between Deborah Winger and Robert Redford. And the studio also was probably like, um, you can't have Robert Redford fuck Daryl Hannah when he's been flirting with Deborah Winger. So that makes him unlikable. So we have to move all of their relationship forming after he right, fucks her. Right, right. That that does make sense. And but there's, I was thinking about this movie after you know, like two weeks after watching it, <laughs> and it was like that. I that does feel really different. That he had sex with Daryl Hannah, but the main relationship. Is him and Deborah Winger. Yeah, that's right. that feels very different for a movie from this time, Which and comes out of nowhere in the movie. It feels like, it feels kind of risque for whatever this that was the formula for this time period. So this is just like a warm blanket movie for both of you. It yes. sounds like yeah. it's just like the yes. vibe of it. You're just on board and you just love the vibe yep. of this movie. You were correct. Yes. Okay. It's just not <laughs> for me I'm sorry. I, know, I know i get i get it like the whole when we were watching it i was really noticing i was noticing its age and i was yeah. noticing its flaws because you're like watching it from my eyes a little bit yes yeah uh, i but i have to say just looking at it makes me fucking smile like just looking mm. at it makes me happy i, I love mean, the music these are very charismatic people yeah. so it makes it works as just like watching these incredible actors act yeah and it's um, an aggressive 80s fucking hodgepodge of elements just when the the courtroom shit which the, is so fun the product placement is bananas like the cinnamon life oh the yeah. air popper on the counter oh god the cinnamon life box the tom petty binder uh, yeah oh, wow. i didn't even see that or that uh. it's um it's a record box oh it is a record well is it a record box because really? I, I thought so, it was yeah. brief it was briefcase briefcase shape it's her i think it's her record albums that's awesome either way it's fucking amazing yeah it's so good and then of course the the actress that plays the daughter yes is in world according to garp Mm -hmm. right yeah and incredible um this is maybe sort of random but are either of you familiar with um an american prayer by jim morrison um only (laughs) only very peripherally So there's, um, <laughs> right, <laughs> in close proximity to this experiencing this film, I was going through a phase in my life that involved listening to an American prayer a bunch. And there's part of the performance art scene that reminds me so much of this piece by Jim Morrison where he talks about experiencing like driving past a car accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the reservation because in the performance art piece sorry this is just entirely about revisiting the performance art piece over and over <laughs> that's yeah. again for me but she says i was driving down the highway and i saw a car burning on the side of the road a woman was slumped over the wheel her shoulders were shaking like she was crying and then the amazing brush 
and brush fire thing <laughs> where she strikes the match, right? But yes. she says through the windshield on the hood of the car is a stack. <laughs> or maybe it was a small child. <laughs> oh my As God. As I drove by, I noticed that nobody stopped. Nobody stopped. Neither did I. <laughs> oh my God. Put out the fire. But it's like, it just, those, fire, those fire. two things are totally like connected for me in a weird way. But yeah. Oh my God. I just yeah. Think. So I, so I don't think that it's weird that she does that in the film. Um, like the timing of it just even now does not, does not feel jarring. I mean, it, it's a, it's a movie. Uh, yes. Treatment of a rehearsal space yes. for a performance artist of an artist's studio. Right. Uh, right? But <laughs> I feel like it does it, it for him and she fully burns all that shit. I, she starts um, that paper's not expensive. Just so we know. <laughs> but it's still, that's um, a lot of setup. It's time consuming to like, yeah, like stick it to those architectural though. frames. True, true. Like you're rehearsing and the timing is is very crucial. And she was like, do you want to see it? Though, the giant photographs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She does burn those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not saying that it's, that it's a realistic thing that would happen. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the timing of it within the movie. Yeah. And what it does to give that character more, yeah, is important to me. But also, I just love seeing that performance piece, like the sound in particular. I'm really into. I love every part of me loves that performance piece so much. I just wish they had written it in to where he went to see her doing a performance rather than her right being like, "Come over to my apartment." And then also, do you want to see the thing I'm working on? Here it is. And then like jumps up off the couch that they're <laughs> sitting on and is like burning shit. And and just you just feel like he does. And I guess that's a red that's, herring. That's you're supposed point. to be like, <laughs> you're, that's sort of the point. But I feel like that point comes across, too, if you're just seeing her perform her performance at a venue where that would make sense to do. It makes her so unrelatable as a character to me that it's just like... To be a performance artist or just to watch to, your dad burn up? No, if she had, if she had been a performance artist and had been performing <laughs> that piece in uh, front of like an audience that he had been a part of, that that would have made a lot more sense than just him being at her apartment and her jumping off up the couch that they were hanging out on and be like, do you want to see the new thing I'm working on? Like, and like shoving this thing in his face. It, it just is so batshit chaotic. Like it's just like the character, like the character, yeah. I guess. But like, you still get that if you, if he's going to some weird underground art show to like, he should have been in he the doesn't shadows. even know what picassos look like that's that's the thing like we're it's supposed to be so bizarre because we the audience are <sighs> supposed to be him i know so we we experience it the way he is experiencing it which is completely out of this world bananas but that mm -hmm. still would have translated if he had gone to see her show you're 100 right it's they, just this is just efficiency i like, know the like <laughs> I they, can't let it go. The movie go. would have been like the, three like, hours long. <laughs> just no, he just needs to be in a shadow of like some weird venue, some artsy theater that he's just in the shadows, like trying to figure out more about this client, see if she's for real or not. You know, and, and like, it's also that that I look at that scene as like part of her seduction of him, and that's yeah, that's totally. important. It's important that that happens 
with them like alone. She's mysterious and intriguing, but also there's something about her, it's like a, a lot about thing. her that he cannot understand. <laughs> that, it, it's and like, that's what leaves it open for her to potentially be a murderer, right? Yeah, that's definitely. That's what opens up the question. Like, I totally get what you're saying, Joe. Like, Laura Kelly could have said, like, I'm going to go meet Chelsea yes. here and I want you to talk to her. Right. And then we see it. But I just don't have, I don't have the massive problem with yeah. where that, that scene is placed because it just there's still enough connective tissue there for me with them trying to establish certain things about the character. And I think there's also like some obvious like armchair uh, psychology aspects about her connection to older men. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So for me, it's, it doesn't, it's, it's just doesn't get under my skin the way it is for you but but i i think i think yeah i think you're you're absolutely right in many ways but but it just doesn't glance off right. that way yeah we can i think we understand each other's positions i understand mm-hmm. how if i just loved the tone of this movie and loved the tone and had uh, there was like a nostalgia element to this movie that if i had i could see just being like fuck yeah this is awesome whatever it doesn't matter how this scene comes about it's like it this is an incredible scene and it is an incredible scene Fully is amazing what she does. She like she there's a little flame. I don't even know how she controlled that flame. I know how. Like how did she do that? Do you really want to know? Yes. There's okay. Wait for the for the listeners. She starts a architectural like frame of metal. She bursts it into flames. This paper that's coated on this metal frame, and then it's like a lantern type structure right in the shape there's one in the shape of birthday cake and there's one in the shape of a house yes and then the fire follows her she kind of shepherds it across the room like across the floor like a little Mm -hmm. kitten basically so So the flame follows like a will of the wisp but the flame travels across the floor towards her and she beckons it and it it follows her and follows her trajectory um across the set uh-huh it was Dar- it was daryl hannah's idea what it was daryl hannah's idea to do it and there is a small channel scored out on the surface of the floor uh-huh. and that's how they have the flame look like it's traveling it, it's and it's full of like alcohol or some flammable liquid i'm not sure like what the nuts and bolts of it are but i do know that about about how do do you know it was daryl hannah's idea because uh when this film came out that's how i know all that stuff about about arnold glimsher i mean i i knew arnold glimsher is just because art world but an article was in the times when this film came out that talked about that oh and I read it because I loved the movie. And so uh-huh. at the library, I read that article in New York Times. And they talk about the development of the performance piece, although they weirdly don't mention Lynn Hickson. Hmm. So it is a channel in the floor and they use that to get that effect. But when you're watching it, it is so cool. It's really And also cool. like Daryl Hannah contributed something that makes that piece like transfixing. She's yeah. and she's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. She's like... The, just the most stunningly beautiful creature. It's insane, mm-hmm. and she is she is a very masculine woman. 
She <laughs> is. Oh, she's for you. Yeah, she's yeah, my lady. She's for she's Eric. She's for you. Yep. She got like her <clears throat> jaw looks like she Oh my god. Yeah. My my touchstone of Daryl Hannah is from Kill Bill and mostly yeah. volume two. Yeah. So that's my like main Daryl Hannah influence. Yeah. And mine was splash in this. Fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. What? No Steel Magnolias? Come oh, on. I love her in Steel. That's actually when she was she was doing some real acting. Mm. It was real good. I love her. Me too. And Here's two I questions. I love her in this. For the both of you, since mm-hmm. you're so on board with this movie. <laughs> Why doesn't her, Chelsea Reardon, is that yes. her name? Why doesn't Deirdre. she have... Deirdre. Deirdre, sorry. Why does she not have any friends? Why does she have zero friends? Because I feel like I this person in New York like will have a thousand friends. That makes sense to me that she would not have friends. Really? <laughs> this again, this is the yeah, character. She would not this is like why this is the kind of character that <laughs> that she's an orphan goes to as someone's house with a gun that and then that person ends up murdered. Like this is <laughs> I she guess. doesn't have any friends or <laughs> people her age are like get get the fuck away from me, weirdo. No. In New York City, <laughs> no, I don't believe that. Um, she's a fucking freaky ass performance artist who is stunningly gorgeous and looks like a drag queen constantly. <laughs> she would have people would be groveling at her feet to be her friend in New York. This that doesn't track. That she comes to his house and she's like, I feel like I'm being followed, and he's like, Well, why don't you go stay with a friend? She's like, I don't have any friends. That does not make any sense at all to me. Oh, I I totally buy that. Of really? course I do, because that's the conversation that we're having this entire podcast mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, I don't question that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't question that. Um, because she again is orphaned by tragedy uh-huh. and she is obsessed with revisiting this part of her life and unraveling like this injustice, this mm-hmm. this mystery and getting back what she sees as her birthright. And I think that's a very singular journey and also like a classic trope for a character. It's like, you know, I'm not saying she's like Indigo Montoya, but (laughs) but but you don't, you're not going to run in a pack, but also, um, you know, a pack, but you'll, I don't, she would magnet other people who are, mysterious art art world people art world she's a fucking sexy like mysterious avant-garde performance artist who lives on that in a giant loft apartment with huge windows like she she's (laughs) Um, definitely having okay gay brunches full of gay men that are like like just like and now you're just projecting yeah um (laughs) definitely i mean she lives on the block with the statue of liberty Oh that! Oh my I'll, God! I'll, no, we're, we'll get to the. We haven't even gotten to the sets. Y'all continue to argue about <laughs> Daryl Hannah's no, validity. I, I'll just say this, Joe. Some people do not like being around other people socially when they do not have to. Mm. And I guess even in nineteen eighty six, that's a reality that I felt was very natural and yeah. which I occupy. And <laughs> so okay. that might be yeah. like my own reason for. Uh, like just completely accepting that she she just has to fight off friends in my mind she's like everyone wants to be her friend every artist especially since her dad is this famous artist but then think of think of what that does to her and 
you know, she she would think, I don't have any friends. I have people that want something from me. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So maybe it's like superficial friends. Okay. My second question is, why does Robert Redford have a gumball machine in his apartment? And why <laughs> was that? Because it's the 80s. Yes. The why 80s. was that such a staple of the 80s? The gumball machine. Uh, it is Where does a that come from? Weird. Uh, like, it's the 80s version of, of uh, the 80s was obsessed with the 50s. Right. Um. So yeah, any which makes total sense. Yeah. Any sort of Cold like War. Nickelodeon Cold War. style, like like, like soda shop, yeah, sock hop, all that shit. Sort of situation. Like, and if you if you can have it, it's aspirational to have one in your home. Right. Because so it it's, was always the yeah. corner store. I'm trying to like I'm looking around at what we have in our place, and I'm like, well, I have records. And all your gumball machines. Yeah, like, we have a lot of gumball machines. My thing is records and a big TV. Like, that's, <laughs> those right. are the things I need uh, to feel feel like I've made it or whatever, but I still have my, like, tape deck. Because the uh, that records were, like, a thing that were only in record shops, and TVs mm-hmm. were a thing that were only in movie theaters. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, big, giant <laughs> TVs. <laughs> but gumball um, machines were a thing that were only at... At like the arcades, the arcades Nickelodeons, and, the like well, the corner stores that you would run to get a soda or whatever right. in the summer. <laughs> I think people still have uh gumball machines and stuff in their house. Like you could totally buy them. Like you when, could do like at Sky Mall. <laughs> when I was a kid for uh Christmas, like one of the catalogs had like a little scaled down plastic gumball machine they're just fucking fun to have and as a child i was obsessed with gum Mm -hmm. and so it was just like a dream Mm -hmm. a dream machine honestly but i don't know why (laughs) the character of robert (laughs) has that but maybe because he has a daughter Um, especially like the waist length style like the the floor stand yeah like mm -hmm. extended stand gumball machine (laughs) I mean, I think in some ways, like you think of the difference between Deborah Winger's apartment and office versus Robert Redford's, like they're two very different people. Mm-hmm. But my question is, do they still make Cinnamon Life? Oh, oh. They, they do. <laughs> they do. Oh, awesome. That, uh, that gave me such a flashback to childhood. That yeah. was so fucking good. Cinnamon, Cinnamon Life, Life is delicious. Oh my God. <laughs> I could really get down with Cinnamon Life. Yes. Yeah. yes. But I, I like regular life also. What about Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Is it too much cinnamon? It's too much sugar. It's too yep. sweet. Yeah. Cinnamon Life yeah. had the ver- the perfect balance of that weedy, like healthy for you, but yeah. also <laughs> delicious and sugary. Yeah. Ugh. But has anyone ever, have you ever just really looked at a piece of life cereal? Yes. It is hypnotic. Where it's all of the woven stuff with the granules of sugar sprinkled in the midst of it. It's art. It is art. (laughs) There's just nothing quite like that moment when life cereal gets soggy. And it just, (laughs) there's just like a, a moment where it turns the corner. Like you have to really tread lightly like it takes it takes a special sense of cereal sogginess levels where there it turns from being really delicious and palatable and a magical transformation <laughs> to then life cereal is one of the cereals that if it when it crosses the line it's like fuck that is like misery it's like if you, <laughs> when you see uh on the street uh, a cardboard box that's been left in the rain for several days that is what that is life cereal past the threshold you think it's a cardboard 
cardboard box, <laughs> but it's actually someone has thrown a bowl of two soggy life cereal out the window. Mm-hmm. It's because it's not a super sweet cereal, despite the beautiful glistening uh, <laughs> sugar crystals that wave at you through the framework of the woven square, but it is like... <laughs> The lack of sugar makes it so fucking. We're still gnarly. talking about life, cinnamon life. We were, we're talking we were about regular life. You. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have a question for Ellen. Um, mm. Ellen, being someone <laughs> who is uh, de- dealing with pieces of art, um, yes, like genuine art of pieces of art, uh, and I'm me. assuming frequently in warehouses. Um, how many flammable cans of gas are in the average art warehouse? <laughs> Only, well, our ratio is four <laughs> cans of gas to every uh, square inch of painting. So there's a shit ton wow. of gas. Holy yeah, shit. amazing. So, so yeah. much gasoline, which now forever I'm going to refer to as flammable gas. Because <laughs> um, I gas. like that you said flammable gas. Um, it, uh, yeah, that's not a thing. Um, but I will say, like, standards and best practices vary. Yeah. Not that, like, Pace Gallery or something would <laughs> store uh, billions of dollars worth of artwork that they're hoping to sell for monies. They would not be doing <laughs> in a in a film that that leads into insurance fraud and insurance yeah. paperwork so heavily. That is a hilarious yeah. It's just wild to me, though, that he that uh, Taft, in an effort only to destroy the paperwork for the Dearden paintings, blows up his entire warehouse. Yeah, uh, was, was yeah. he trying Which to kill had them? Shit in it. Uh, no, I don't. He was not he aware that, that they, they were, were there. there. He was okay. just destroying evidence. Okay. Yeah, it would be his undoing, and because everything in that warehouse is insured, um, that there is also the element of who gives a fuck. But also, they've already successfully committed arson yeah. and murder. So, right. you know. He just happened to have a time bomb. What's the bomb. second time? It was, a, it was like a time bomb. It was a legitimate setup. time bomb, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, love, I love that scene. That explosion is so big. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, it's, uh, it's insane. The explosion is... <laughs> really it's a standout explosion it's and the amazing. way it's filmed is so gorgeous that right there on the down on the docks but what i love about that <laughs> scene is that they're following him in when we've talked about this off pod in the biggest car in the world <laughs> and yeah. the entirety of manhattan is full of gigantic boat cars rolling yeah. metal mattresses it is, yeah. it is just like boat car and the way those you know, cars move every single car like they just they move like they're not stable at all yeah. like they're, and i've been i used to ride in those and they're it's mm-hmm. delightful like you feel <laughs> like you're mattress. on a cloud and it mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. feel weirdly dangerous <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but like oh my god the the chase scene where we learn that deborah winger can't drive can't drive she, oh uh, amazing it's so okay. good. I have a rewrite for that scene. But before we get to that, when they're driving, they so they get out of this so warehouse be be- before the time bomb goes off. They drive a forklift through. You can just call it a bomb. Yeah. I don't it's just a bomb. Okay, just a Specificity bomb. Time bomb is like flammable gas. Stop probably. erasing time. Flammable gas. <laughs> I will erase time. They're 
they're driving a forklift out of they br- okay. burst through the, the door in a forklift and then drive it like probably a thousand yards across this dr- this parking lot <laughs> to into the bay <laughs> yeah into the, like a fo- full They're football field like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> to get and then and then the way this is filmed and edited and voiceovered is crazy because he says he says jump and then she says jump but while she's saying while she's like questioning jump it's a footage of her jumping out in slow motion of the forklift into the water it's just like the most insane piece of big, action, big action Although, i don't think would would anyone think that the Hudson River in 1986 was a better alternative to just getting <laughs> just riddled with with art warehouse shrapnel? Oh, no just way! Getting like yeah. a, a Lichtenstein no. stretcher, you're better like off shot through your. When skull. your numbers up, your numbers up. Just get your singed hair I, and yeah. move on with your day. Don't I, go in the Hudson River. I did notice this time that Deborah Winger does say out loud in the warehouse. I wonder what all this flammable stuff is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is something we say at work all the time. Yes. Which is strange. There's just so much flammable gas. Before we get to the car chasing also, my next note is LOL this lady laying in the dead body outline. Oh yeah. Was that Chelsea? That laying, was Chelsea. She was laying in yes. a dead body <laughs> yes. outline in her apartment. Uh-huh. Just, oh, just such a cool moment. Being that the Joe's most... gonna wreck now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just being the most fucking suspicious person (laughs) you could ever possibly be, even on your own when no one's around. I don't. She's being 80s film noir arty. Yeah, I don't. She is a performance artist. I just don't know that. She she has no friends for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love that. There's something so, the references in that shot are so good in that scene because there's a, thunder and lightning storm yep. and we see the shot of of her sprawled out as if she is dead on the floor and then she's awakened supposedly by the thunder clap and she just stands up and we see i don't know i love it it's but i'm not uh, i like, don't think it's defensible in terms of right. it's not it's not pushing the plot forward no. but no it's <laughs> again, just it's seasoning i don't have a problem like, with what it. is yeah. this yeah it's what's seasoning. happening Mm-hmm. Okay, it's Johnny's '80s art seasoning. <laughs> Yay! To the car chase. Okay, we've established that Deborah Winger is can't drive a she car. She cannot drive. And uh, Robert Redford, what happens? He he, he runs away from is the car. Shot at by a he. So when he leaves Chelsea's apartment after the performance art piece, <laughs> right. he is shot at uh-huh. by a guy <laughs> who we later find out to be hired by Brian Dennehy mm-hmm. to. I, I don't think kill him, but keep him away. moving or keep him away. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. That same guy he sees and he runs after uh, after the guy shoots a sawed off shotgun at a fruit stand. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. If you if there's if there's citrus to shoot, yeah, we will aim shoot at the that citrus. Fucking citrus. Uh, yeah. Lots of good explosions. Uh, then he gets hit by a car. <laughs> okay, this is my rewrite for the scene. So it's Robert Redford and Deborah Winger are are together before, yes. when the scene starts. She's like, I don't really remember why he runs on foot to chase the guy, but he runs away and she gets in the car and she's driving. Yes, she 
is just careening through traffic like i don't know what i'm doing i'm i'm a bad driver i don't know how to drive she should have hit somebody and fully killed them like they should have edited this in a way where it was like she hits somebody a pedestrian kills that pedestrian and is like holy shit i just killed somebody and it happens to be the guy that was trying to kill robert redford and then they have this like mute cute moment where they're like, oh, doodle, and they like look at each other and are like, wow, you did it. I'm like, I'll like, visit you when you're in prison for manslaughter. Exactly. <laughs> she, she just should have been the one that hit him. There's a similar scene to that in the Big Easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It's, it's established. Yeah, it's established. That just like formulaically, that makes sense in my mind and would have been like a very satisfying finish to that scene. But what happens is, She's kind of careening through traffic, doesn't know what she's doing. He yeah, gets it's shot a com- at. It's a comedic moment. A cab <laughs> hits him, like a random cab driver hits him, hits the assassin, yes. kills him, and then he goes for the wallet. And everybody's like, "That guy's going for his wallet." And yeah, what every- the fuck? <laughs> so great. Yeah. The, the collection it's, of New it's Yorkers. That we just caught the yeah, night stalker like, get moment. Get in, get in, get in. I love and that. Like, there's together. there's the young black man, the old woman. There's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like the these are New Yorkers. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. like a foggy chain link fence. <laughs> yes, there's also just manholes that are steaming, steaming, yeah, <laughs> steaming within an inch of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> They're about to burst. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this. The movie was shot. A lot of it was shot on location in Manhattan, but mm-hmm. uh, most of it is shot on sets in Los Angeles. Oh, really? Uh, and at the Warner Ranch. Um, including the scene of a street where there is the statue and then a mysterious body of water (laughs) and a bridge. (laughs) It's like, it's a, it's a street that doesn't exist. Uh, Right. It's like, is that Dumbo? Yes. What is it? (laughs) But it is a beautiful matte painting. It's I, I forgot Uh, that there was an hmm. awesome matte painting. Uh And then there's the scene of the street. I think it's the same street, just in reverse, where there is a bar <laughs> with a blow up of the top of the yeah. Empire State or the the uh, Statue of Liberty yeah. on top. Yes. Which mm-hmm. every time I saw that as a kid, I was like, "Where is this? Like, are they on a hill on Staten Island? Like, what's <laughs> where you can see the top of the yeah, Statue of like Liberty?" You thought <laughs> <laughs> there's like one street that's real close. You thought it was a real <laughs> Statue of Liberty. What this really reminded me of was Rent and that yeah. fake st- city street scene same, and I think the it's Cat the same, Scratch Club. It's the same it, place. Yes, it probably is. It really reminded me of that. So yeah. it must have been the same set. <laughs> I was impressed. Uh, I was impressed with it. I mean, it's Laszlo Kovacs. He shoots it. He shoots everything really beautifully. But it's. I thought that the set scenes were, they were pretty. <laughs> it was confusing to have that Statue of Liberty, whatever that was. I I was confused too. I was like, "What yeah. is that? Is that a club we're I mean, gonna go to later?" Seeing it now, it makes it, I love it. Like now, it's just like it's it's a scene from After Hours. Like it's one of the bars that Griffin Dunn would have mm-hmm. had to go into during After Hours. Uh-huh. Oh my god, After Hours, yay! Uh-huh. We'll we'll get we'll get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um. Okay, Joe. What else did you hate? I, okay. <laughs> a moment that I hated is when okay, oh the oh shit's God. going down. We're in the final the final art gallery. It's on fire. Everybody's oh. running around. Robert Redford is like running in to save people. And he instead of using the staircase that is just fully available to him, he leaps from one floor to the next on 
to the railing of the, and climbs <laughs> over the railing of the oh, staircase oh, rather know. than just walking up the stairs I which love were that. fully open and available and not on fire. I love that just because it was such a Robert Redford being like, no, I can do it. I yeah. can do it. Uh, I can do it. I can do this. No, just no, watch. No. Just watch. I've been working out. I Run the camera. Roll the camera. Roll the camera. No, we, I, Insurance said that I'm cleared to do this yeah. one. Here we go. <laughs> and it's like, you could have just used the stairs or it would have been faster. No, you got, it's an action scene. Safer. Action. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love that whole scene. I love the whole uh, building on fire scene. It's I remember it being oh genuinely kind of distressing as a kid, and watching it now, I'm like, oh yeah, they did a pretty good job. Like every yeah, every that building is fucking burning the hell down. Yeah, everyone's sweating yeah. to death. <laughs> the fire it seems is super dangerous. Following the the ceiling, I love they that they escape on that giant statue. Thank you. <laughs> The fucking Giacometti. Deborah's handcuffed to that very rickety looking table that she probably could have just like pulled her. Oh, Daryl is. Yeah. Oh, is it Daryl? I Okay. So I think of this scene a lot. I think of the scene where Deborah Winger like breaks that thing with her foot. The cross beam on the desk. I just, it's another element of the movie that I really love is that it's again, though, it's, it points to flaws in the, in either the editing or, maybe just reshoots of some sort. Robert Redford's unnecessary in this entire segment. Uh, yeah. There, there's, no ne- there's no necessity for him. Deborah Winger saves Daryl Hannah. Uh, mm-hmm. They get out fine. Right. There is like that moment where Daryl Hannah is too afraid to move because of fire, right. which makes sense. Yeah, we, definitely makes sense. Established. Yeah. Um, and, then, and, you know, and also so messed up. Super that, messed that up. That is yeah. the full circle. Exactly. Yeah. While Disturbing. she's holding the the painting. The painting. <laughs> I mean, it, it is cathartic, right? Yeah. It is the ultimate, like, How does rebirth. Dennehy flail off of a... He falls into a fountain. He falls into a fountain on fire, yeah. Which though, right? Yes, which wouldn't kill him, I don't think. But uh, I but love... But he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Or he's... We don't really know that he's, he's dead. Done. We don't know that he's dead. They could have yeah. shown... They, we wait for the sequel. Uh, well, legal eagles Robert, too. Robert legal or eagles. Legal or eagles. In the scene because he He's is fighting. <laughs> he is fighting with Brian Dennehy. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. And Brian Dennehy shoots at him, and then he chases him. I just would have liked it if if Robert. See again. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I have to be on in rewrite corner for this, Ellen. But uh, if if he wasn't. <laughs> If he was incapacitated during this, and then we just get to see Deborah Winger save the day, and then you know, sure, they don't want women to kill men in movies, uh, <laughs> so let Robert Redford shoot him in the end or whatever. But sure, I don't know. I just feel like there, there's too much Robert Redford in this movie. I don't know. There's something about <laughs> what I feel like. There's a really fucking awesome movie in this movie. I and feel, I think I, what I remember I of it you. is all of the awesome stuff. Like my brain, mm-hmm. my memory kind of filters out the extraneous stuff. Yes, I feel the same way. The the Robert Redford, Deborah Winger stuff, it, it reminds me of the X Files. Yes. It's like that their partnership when they're investigating they, them together is like so hearts. charming and incredible to watch. Yeah, it's like heart to heart. And especially this last scene really reminded me of the fight in the flower shop where yes. somebody went careening down a fucking spiral staircase. Oh, yeah, totally. that same kind of open yeah. staircase, yeah. Yes, and I and I love that it just it got it gets really lost in a lot of different the different energies that were yes. trying to be conveyed 
it mm. gets a little bit lost. But I agree with you that there is an incredible movie at the core of this movie that was like layered and layered upon probably by the studio to like fit whatever was popular during the time to make something that would make money. It's just the the fact that Ivan Reitman's movie before this was Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like this massive, massive hit. Yeah. But it's a hit for anomalous reasons. No one knows why that movie works. It just works. Yeah. Like it just works. It's a zeitgeisty thing. But you can feel it's because of those people doing that thing at that time. It all worked. And I think if Ivan Reitman was fully trusted, like just funded and then left alone, we would have ended up with a really fucking cool movie. I agree. But it might have been two and a half hours long. Or it might or it might have just been more of a comedy, like less there might not have been explosions right although i think there would have been explosions i just think that there might not have been so much of the the intrigue things right like the investigative properties of their relationship and their relationship deborah winger and robert redford's relationship developing yeah would have been mm-hmm. forefront which it wasn't they saved that for the fucking end credits while we're listening to rod stewart's love touch yeah right i'm I glad you brought you. up love touch because i <laughs> <laughs> that song, the lyrics Rod of that Stewart. song make me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I yes. just cannot with that song. It this is, is this is the Rod Stewart. I want to give you yes. my love touch. Yeah, which I a, love that song. It's in like the main. Do you credits. really? I really like that song a lot. I don't like the lyrics at all. The lyrics are a problem. But I am I am one of those people that you've read about that doesn't pay attention to lyrics. Like lyrics don't matter um, to me. Um, it's one of the reasons that like. I was I didn't have a Bob Dylan phase until I was like 30. Um mm. so yeah, the the lyrics don't matter. That's just a really great melody and it's a fun song. Yeah, it's really um I mean it's just fizzy, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah, it's yeah. a trifle. Speaking of love touches. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, time for pick your poke. And I start. You start. So this this leads me to the third scene in this movie that I think about all the time (laughs) but weirdly i think about it and i never remember what movie it's from so when i see it when i see legal eagles and this Mm -hmm. scene pops up it always surprises me that it's this movie oh um Mm -hmm. it is the scene where robert redford goes to the police station and asks for detective kavanaugh and a black dude turns around yeah. It oh. says, I'm Kavanaugh. And we find out that my poke, Brian Dennehy, is oh. the villain. <laughs> oh, shit. So Brian Dennehy is Brian Dennehy. Poke. I have had a thing for Brian Dennehy probably since this movie and <laughs> maybe before. Wow. He's dreamy, dreamy, dreamy. Um, How shocking that Brian Dennehy is also my poke. <laughs> Because there is just something about him. Yeah. He, the way he, I don't know, there's just something, the way he uses his facial expressions or something yeah. belies this, like, intelligence. I don't know what it is. Like, he's just so, there's just, like, a presence. He's charismatic. Very charismatic. And, like, that is so and just hot. attractive. And yeah. Robert Redford is in this movie. For And for all. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> this, this may be the most attractive Robert Redford ever was to me. Yeah, uh, mm. it, I mean it's a it's a really good Robert Redford looks yeah. moment. Yeah. His body is intense. Oh, in this he fully movie. he like sits on the defense's yes table when they're in the court, and it's like a hot moment of mm-hmm. like I'm gonna like put my butt right in your face. Yeah, 
And then there was also <laughs> my first poke was her dad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea's dad. When. Uh, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Dearden. Dearden. He's also really attractive, but Brian Dennehy wins out because he just like there's just a presence and there is some about I mean, him. He's just this big dude who's just rad. Yeah. And I just want to like hang out with him. He just seems so cool. So, yeah. Same. Mm-hmm. Ellen. <clears throat> yeah. Um. I mean, normally it maybe it would be Terrence Stamp, but because he's playing a gallerist, I can't. It's not because it's not because he's playing a murderer or a criminal. Yeah, no. He's playing a gallerist, and he sets a time um, bomb and runs away. Yeah, so it's like no, nobody for me. Yeah. So are you choosing Brian Dennehy? Is that Do we all agree anybody. on a poke? Okay. C- cinnamon life. Cinnamon life. <laughs> Okay, you're like a low, low simmer on Brian Dennehy, though, is what I'm hearing. There, the scene, there's a scene where <laughs> Robert Redford and and Deborah Winger are on the floor looking through files, and they're like biz, like lawyer casual, whatever lawyer out attire, and yeah. it is so hot. Like it's just like Deborah Winger, I think, is my second poke runner up poke because just she is amazing, and I just loved her. So mm. I, I love that scene too. I love I love that particular kind of scene. Yes. It's the the investigating after hours. Yeah. We have we have we're loosening up. Yep. Um we're getting comfortable around each other. We're eating pizza. And we're, we're yeah, I think of that as uh we got Chinese takeout. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yes. It's either a p it's either pizza boxes or those little mm-hmm. takeout yep. containers. The and they're containers, both yeah. finding out how passionate they are about the same thing. Yeah. And and that's really charming to see. It's and, it's romance. It's the it's the beginning of romance. Yes. It's why we love heart to heart. It's the those yes. scenes in heart to heart oh that God. made us like oh my fall God. in love with the hearts. Yeah. It's when Jonathan, when they're in is it Monterey and he's like has all these plans for their anniversary or their vacation Monterey. And he's like, Oh, but you want to go investigate yeah. this thing. <laughs> and he just, and then somebody drops ice cream. Yes. And, and they're at the mall from poltergeist too. It's that scene where you're like, it's just a full understanding of each other, of the passion yeah. that they yeah. both they have. A couple with careers. Yes. Are solving a crime. Yep. Yeah. I love that yeah. so much. Amazing. Yeah. I have a feeling based on the scenes in the closing credits, that there were a lot of <laughs> scenes like that. There's a scene that looks like it was so funny. A lot so of ice getting thrown away in the cutting room floor of legal eagles. Yeah. There's a scene in the, in the end credits that looks so funny where Deborah Winger and Robert Redford are across uh, what looks like either Grand Central Station or Penn Station from each other. And she's on the phone and he's on another phone. And they both like cover the phone to lean over and yell across a giant crowded room to each Mm -hmm. other. It's so cute. And it obviously was a moment (laughs) like that where it's like, here, look, they're falling in love. They're they're doing the thing. They're finding out they're compatible. That's so fun. I really love that. Yeah. I think that there was a lot of meddling in the editing of this movie and in what, (laughs) what ended up coming out. I think even having those scenes at the end might've been, Ivan Reitman's hard one, like, look, I actually made this for you guys, but the studio was Columbia Pictures was like, fuck you. Yeah. I want to I want to find a book about it. I want to find something about it. If anyone knows. (laughs) 
That I mean, if anyone knows Daryl Hannah. That is what makes Ghostbusters so special. I think is there's like letting those actors have their chemistry and letting and showing that on film and mm-hmm. showing those moments of just these people like each other or their characters interacting with each other. And that's yeah. what's that's the special moments from Legal Eagles too. That is a little bit fogged over by mm. some other hand that was at play for sure. Yeah. My last note, I think is there was they're talking to Chelsea about somebody I can't remember exactly what it is but somebody says she's bored she likes to wear earrings oh <laughs> which I is love like that I love that line amazing so good yeah that's what she was talking about someone's Some wife art collector she's talking about about the, uh robert forrester's wife yes right she's bored mm-hmm. she likes to wear earrings I, that, so again the delivery of that line yes. is not what we've seen it done as before uh-huh. uh it's kind of i think daryl hannah's a little bland in this movie she's like it's all looks and, yeah it's all look and performance art <laughs> um not to not to say that i don't love her in it because mm-hmm. i do but i think that's I think that's where you're getting a lot of hangups. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Is Do you think that line's improv? I doubt it. It seems it's too good. It's too perfect. It's too perfect and not well. Like I, I see what you're saying. Where it was like not you understand the what it should be. Yeah. But it the way it was said, it's kind of a missed opportunity for like sassiness. A yes. Bit. Yes. So we didn't really bring up Terrence much aside from the uh, your leaning scene. Uh, mm. I thought he was great in this. He's like again, he's this this tent pole of of gravitas in the middle of this mm-hmm. weird wacky movie. <laughs> like he's a, he's not a constant because he's not in it very much. That's the thing. But That's what the I'm so frustrated with our <laughs> our whole podcast formula because that's the thing. We we choose these actors to see them shine in other roles and they keep being in like they keep getting their fucking necks Etruscan twisted in like <laughs> 5 seconds of being in the movies that they're in. That's Oh my god. Are we picking them to see them what did you just say? Etruscan twisted. To see, to no. see them shine. Before that. To see them to shine. To see them shine. Oh. That's what I, I, like I haven't been doing that. I'm not picking them to do really? that. Really? That's what, no, I, that's I, what mean, I want. I'm, I'm using them. them because they shown to me in yeah. what we want. Like, yeah. For me, it's, yeah. yeah. But, but we're choosing them to like see their further shine. To see if they shine further than the, like what we already no, that's not why I'm picking them. Oh, really? Oh. I'm just using but, them as like you want to. But Joe, I, I know, I know you hate chain reactions. You just want to see like who they're working with, <laughs> like who who did they choose to work with after they shone and then got their flame blown. I won't out. be criticized for um, telling you why I'm making my choices. I simply won't be criticized for that. Nor, nor will I. <laughs> yeah. So that's it's what you're doing right now is. Uh, very ineffective in the long term. <laughs> okay, my idea for this podcast was to be like, let's choose actors from things we love to see them in roles that, like, it, to like, you know, see the bit actors from heart to heart fully express themselves or be who they are and like express the thing that we loved, like the glimmer that we saw that we loved from the role they were in. Part of this is to like see that more and to see if it translates to other things and we we keep getting 
actors who are barely in things. Well, uh, because we keep picking character actors, which is what we're going to yeah, do. Yeah, so they get always. bit roles. And, and one of the reasons that I love this idea that we have going is that mm. just like in the episodes of Heart to Heart, when we'd be like, oh my God, this person is in this and I love that person. They are also in this. Right. And I love that. Or they are also in, like, if, when it gets to these points where we're like, oh, they're also in this that we have not seen. Right. That's great. Right. But it's not, I, I don't necessarily need it to be their starring, their starring role, role or, or, right. or even their breakout role. It's just another another performance from them. I, 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 I'm thinking, okay, maybe I need to, like, yeah. I am just so burned by, like, <laughs> choosing an actor who's in the next film or tv show for five seconds and this is like huh. oh shit fuck like we oh like we chose this because that actor i think it's that that's the f- part of the fun of it i mean and it, what i feel like we touched on a little bit when when developing like this idea is just the trajectory of an actor's career an actor that's working in film and television is kind of a fascinating journey in all mm-hmm. the ways like when we're looking up potential links it's just like oh my god you know like i like the not knowing even though like i have trepidation about certain things but that's just part of part of this game right mm-hmm. i think it's really illustrating for me in these little bite-sized morsels an actor's life like just the the choices that people make or you know just i don't know i i find that to be an unexpectedly interesting takeaway just from the small amount of chain that we have forged thus far yeah but yeah but i'm i'm sorry joe that <laughs> I, I mean I'm, I'm being i'm legitimately sorry if um because then this experience thus far has been pre- like largely unsatisfying if that's the metric um or it it must feel uh there must be a a tension or apprehension um a trepidation there about making the choices because if you have a certain goal yeah i think that would just be be very stressful every single (laughs) time i think i'm i did this i just think i'm projecting a little bit too much on the audience like how you want to be chelsea dearden's gay friend <laughs> yeah i agree and uh, i, did mention and I would be i would that you are projecting wanting to have brunch and something i would push through her and then you'd be like girl be like, get out the get out the birthday cake and light it on fire <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, joe would want happy birthday to you <laughs> joe would 100 percent be friends with chelsea dearden yeah. yeah and i would be like you're not inviding that bitch to our house yeah. one more time. She Everybody. stole all of our forks last time. Yeah. I don't, I, like, <laughs> she stole and then lied all, about our it. Yeah. <laughs> all our candles. Everyone would be warning me about her, but I'd yeah. be like, well, she's great. I love her. That's, yeah. That's, that's totally. definitely 100% <laughs> my MO. That's your dynamic. I think what I'm, what's happening is I'm just like projecting on the audience too, too much to be like, we're choosing these people to like see how they shine but it's just oh i'm choosing these people because they happen to be because they're they're great in the moment but i just keep i think i just got burned by the scorpion with two tails (laughs) yeah (laughs) mostly i think terrence stamp is really great in this movie i think he's he is definitely like doing his work terrence stamp i know from priscilla queen of the desert which is like a fucking incredible Mm -hmm. role of 
just amazing and he like is the spotlight of that movie so and the hunger now <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah it just kind of pales like his like weird like uh, the character that wasn't really present and was kind of running around and setting time bombs i don't know <laughs> it kind of pales yeah, one of the villains anyways <laughs> does this bring us to our links i think so i think so too uh joe you're gonna be very disappointed in me oh, God. <laughs> um because while watching this movie uh an actor popped up that i i my jaw dropped uh and i was like i need to make sure that this is who i think this is is it gerald Hannah? and i looked them up and it was indeed who i thought it was uh i chose Robert Redford. <laughs> Robert Redford. <laughs> <laughs> a little movie called Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, <laughs> I chose yes. Robert Redford's wife, Sarah Botsford. Oh. Sarah Botsford is in a little movie called Still of the Night. Yep. Uh, oh, which we I, wh- I just which looked at because... a thriller... Uh, that I can't believe has... how fast we got there. Did you did you just die when you I did? That out? I I, yeah, g- me too. I I gasped. Me too. Okay. Yeah. Who does she play in Legal Eagles? She's uh, his wife. She oh, comes his to wife. pick up okay. the daughter. That's Robert Redford's real and be disgusted wife. by him. No. Oh, you're no. saying in the, in movie. the movie? Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, still the night is my pick. Okay. Oh God. And if I had to pick, an, <laughs> and I would have picked an. If I didn't know she was in Still the Night, I would have picked Jumping Jack Flash. That she is also in. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Aw, jumping Jack Flash. Um, <clears throat> I just looked up "Still of the Night." Why did I look that up? Because we talked about it with Travis. No, I was just at the beginning of this pod of oh. this episode looking at it. Is it because Sarah Botsford? Because Eric and I are oh. always exuding "Still of the Night." You're vibes. always talking. Is about there Still so, of the is night. there another Witty. connection? I don't know why I was just. Like, oh, there's still of the night, and I don't know. Oh, it's because huh. well, Ar- anyways. Arnie Glimcher has something to do with that movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that's delightful. Um, But my pick is Brian Dennehy <laughs> in Miami Vice, season two, season four, episode two, Ooh. Amen, Send mm-hmm. Money, <laughs> which aired in 1987, and he plays a televangelist. Okay, let me read you the synopsis. The wife of a televangelist is arrested on drug charges by Tubbs, who finds himself the target of preachers of a preacher's vengeance. However, a rival televangelist makes his play. <laughs> and I've never seen any Miami Vice before. Oh my god. So and I want to see more Brian Dennehy. So that's my link. Alan. I have two links. <laughs> but I am going, I know that I'm going to double down on one. My two links are obviously Still the Night, oh. one of my favorite Uh-oh. films of all time. Ah. Joe, I'm talking. Sorry. Um, <laughs> do you mind? I'm, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind if you talk. <laughs> I can't say the same. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, Black Widow with Devil Oh, Winger. Black Widow. Okay. So. For our wheel of choice that we have to rely on. Still the night, still the night, and <laughs> Miami Vice. Should we do two still of the nights? Yes. 
What, okay, but if it chooses mine, we have to do oh, it. No, we're doing it. Yeah. Okay, I'll do two still of the nights. Well, that's fair, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I do what the wheel says. What was your What was your second one, Ellen? It's not going on the wheel. No, but what was it? It was Black Widow. Black Widow, Black Widow. from nineteen eighty seven, starring Deborah Winger and James Hong. Oh, James Hong. All right. Oh, did you see his speech? Sure did. God, I love him so much. We have still of the night. We have still of the night, <laughs> and we have Miami Vice. Let's spin this wheel. Oh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> it's still of the night. We are doing still of the night, 1982's amazing <laughs> Robert Benton thriller, fully grown-up-ass oh. adult movie thriller. With Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, Roy Scheider, Jessica Tandy, okay. uh, Sarah Botsford, <laughs> my link. And the most exquisite, oh, God. I mean, anyways, I'll stop because I'll, I'll save it for the pod. As you often tell me, I can't wait to watch this movie again. You God, both have it. seen this before. Multiple times. Okay. Multiple times. I've never even heard of this. I, I am always puzzled as to why this movie isn't spoken about more why i meet so many people that are not familiar with this movie mm. because i think it is that good oh wow it is that scary it is a film that i i think of scenes from this film often same and i am frightened by it every single time i see it wow. there are a couple moments where like my fear just really spikes oh, and wow. that hasn't changed since i first saw it in the theater like I saw it with my friend Shelly in the theater, and it just was like, we were floored. Like, I can oh remember just sitting there. And this is like 1982, right? I, I caught it on cable, like, halfway mm -hmm. through the movie, or, or I'm going to say 20 minutes into the mm -hmm. movie, during a particular uh, sequence that we'll discuss oh. at length, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and I just, I had no idea what it was, but I knew who... Roy Scheider and Meryl Streep were and couldn't believe even as a child that I didn't know what this movie was. These were two of the biggest stars in the world. Wow. And who are we following into this movie? We're following Sarah Botsford. Sarah Botsford, right. His, his wife. Yes. Robert. Okay. And do, we said that we would, should we invite Travis back or is it too soon? Oh, I'm I mean, I love to talk about and think about and look at still the night. Oh, I thought so. you were going to say Travis. <laughs> With Travis. With Travis. Well, and only, only Travis. It was lovely having him Goodbye. on the first time. So. It was. I'll ask him. I, yeah. What, what did we say? I mean, we talked about this while he was on. So yes. Okay. I, said, I said that when we got to it, we would invite <laughs> him on. We got to it immediately. And I, I said we will probably get to it before they would. <laughs> His podcast. I oh, so like it's a race. We are manifesting still the night. Yeah. I think that Eric and I are just always calling out to the universe, yeah. beckoning still, still of the of night. Still of the night. Well, I, prom I will make this promise to you, Joe. I will not choose Sorcerer from Still of the Night. I, prom I promise not to do okay, that to you. Okay, yeah, you have to promise. <laughs> Okay, do we want to do ratings of Legal Eagles? I know you both give it a 10 out of 10. I don't, I don't give it a 10 out of 10, but I give it a, I give it a good 7. Okay. I give it like a four. I do not recommend Legal Eagles. Wow. I'm so sorry. 
I was so bored. Yeah. It was so boring. And especially the courtroom stuff. And I my mind wandered so much, which is probably why I don't understand most of the plot. The parts that were exciting were were very cool and exciting, but overall I didn't really like it. And yeah. I feel like this is the first one of Chain Reaction that I didn't really like. That's don't fine. love it. I don't I have recomm- the nostalgia <laughs> that you both I have. Know. I recommend it to people who are who are above forty. And yeah. who like movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I recommend it if only for um the cinematography and which is such an unexpected delight mm-hmm. and the performance art scene, which oh I think is even better when you know how it came about. But it's like, you know, I, I feel like I'll always own where nostalgia creeps in and mm-hmm. it's something that I would never never want to surrender and that i absolutely accept as something that it's it's a lens for me for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. but i love it because it, it just lets me revisit my feelings and and that time and and i love to think about how much movies have brought into my life and how yeah. many different times and ways that film has helped me tap into who I am and how I am and when I am, whatever it is. Yeah. So I love that. There we go. And I just want to look at Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy. Yeah. Dennehy, oh, you want to do Dennehy, more than look Dennehy. at him. Oh yeah. Oh, but I want to. I want to give him my love touch. Uh-huh. He's your old flame. Old flame. <laughs> but not enough to watch an episode of Miami Vice. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and sticking with us. I hope that you'll all watch Still of the Night. It's on Freebie. It's on Tubi. It, you can rent it for four bucks on Amazon. Um, if you have a local video store, I'm sure they have a copy collecting mm. dust somewhere. <laughs> um, and Scarecrow definitely has it if you want to rent from Scarecrow.com. Yeah. Please rate and review us wherever you're listening to this. If you give us five stars and write a little review, it's very helpful. Makes people find out about our show quicker. Mm-hmm. And what else? Um, if people are actually coming to the podcast to hear us talk about every single episode and move, movie of the Heart to Heart franchise. Um, That's all available. Beginning. It's all available. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's on Amazon now? It's, a, it's on all of the podcast streamers. Oh, no, no. The, the Heart to Heart oh, episodes. Oh, Heart to Heart is now on Prime, yeah. Prime. In America. In, yeah. the, in the US. So you can watch it all. Probably North and, America. And follow along. Mm. Um, Which yeah. I want to restart. I know. I, I do too. I want to watch it all again. <laughs> so Okay. Good. And we can just acknowledge that was one of my pitches for the podcast. Which yes. Is do it all over do it again. again. Yeah. Yeah. Which we may still, I think we should probably do. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Because I, I also do want to do Charlie's Angels. <laughs> I mean, I want to do Still of the Night. And then after that, I... After that, we want to do Heart to Heart again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were, we've just been trying to get you to watch Still of the Night. This has yeah, been a I long know, con. <laughs> I feel like I've heard about Still of the Night for a while now, so I should probably watch it. I'm scared, but we'll see. If you want to talk to us about what we just watched, what we're going to watch, or what we've watched in the past, or you just want to say hi and talk about Heart to Heart, you can talk to us at Instagram at ItWasMurderPod. Twitter at it was murder pod, even though it seems like it's a ghost town there. I am still there. <laughs> still check the Instagram. Or if you just want to say the words the legal Twitter. eagles out loud, which yeah. I recommend doing. Or say regal beagle. Legal mm. eagles, regal beagle. <laughs> Rural juror. <laughs> One thing we didn't mention 
one of the jurors I was like very familiar with. Oh yeah. And I was like, how do I know this person? And it's Seinfeld's mom. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, and she was so comforting. <laughs> I love her. She's the one that says, isn't she entitled to a fair trial? Yeah. She has a lovely nose and the reddish hair. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I just love her. Liz Sheridan. Liz Sheridan. Mm. And I'm glad that we got there because now we can say good night, Freeway. Aww. I haven't seen very much Seinfeld. Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway. And Robert Redford. <laughs> <laughs> Piece of cake.